0: We're going to be in Job chapter one. We're actually going to be in a few different places tonight. uh, Not a typical message that you would hear, I guess. A pastor would call this more of a devotional, but I've titled it when life falls apart. Um, I was doing some studying this week and I, I like to pull out verses that the Bible uses For certain areas, and I was thinking on this topic, and I don't know if you, I I know you guys probably do, but if you don't, I know Pastor Wes's message that he preached this morning is probably one of the most discussed and fought topics in our society today. And what Pastor Wes clearly and efficiently portrayed this morning is what is the basis of the world's argument against us right now. And unfortunately, we're under a lot of pressure today as Christians. There are constant attacks being thrown at us for what we say, what we believe in, and what we stand for, and what we hold dear. And we're often attacked directly by Satan for our our beliefs. I know my mom, I know Pastor, I know Pastor Wes and Miss Laura can all confirm It's when a person decides to say this, hey, I'm going to start living for God, that Satan decides their target number one. If you want Satan to stay away from you, live like the world. He'll leave you alone. But Satan's going to attack you if you take a stand for God. Job chapter 1 opens up with this. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. I don't know if there's a more positive verse regarding a human being in the Bible than Job 1.1. He feared God and eschewed evil. And for time's sake, we're not going to read through the whole chapter. But if if you read through that whole chapter, the devil goes before God and says, Hey, I I can tempt Job and he will curse you. And God says you can do anything to him, but you cannot touch his body. And over the course of just seconds, if you read it, seconds of Job's life, he loses everything he had. He's left with his wife and a few friends, all of which were not very helpful. And at the end of the the end of the chapter in verse 22. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. When life falls apart. What is your reaction? What do you do when life falls apart? Well, I'm going to give you four things tonight that you should do. And this is more of a counseling message. This is more of me throwing some some things at you that we all need to apply. So I'm going to give you quite a few verses tonight. But number one, we need to reroute. You need to reroute. Often the first thing we need to do when a hard time comes is to stop and reroute the direction we're heading. You need to reroute with a different mindset, but with the same goal. If you knew my grandparents, my mom's parents, Bob and Sherry up in Steamboat, Bob and Sherry's favorite hobby in the entire world is driving. It's not fishing. It's not painting. They like puzzles. But they love to drive. And I'm not talking like a little like 30-minute drive out in the country. They will do all-day excursions over into Utah and not see a single person. They'll pack a picnic. They'll go go up some country roads, go through the mountains. They love it. They always have. One Sunday when I was up there with them and I had preached and I was staying until Monday. And I was there with them and I was like, you know, let's go for a drive this afternoon. So we went on a drive up towards uh, Steamboat Lake. And we're on the way up there, and all of a sudden, traffic kind of comes to a standstill. And what we see is a mudslide had come across the road. And we had to reroute to get around it. Often the way the devil works with us is often like that mudslide. The easiest, most direct route, the, the way we think is the best way to go, he often covers up. But we often have to reroute like I said, with a different mindset, Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19 say this. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Ladies and gentlemen, when life falls apart, don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the things that have happened to you. Here's the thing. They happened. It hurts. But don't dwell there. The Lion King said it best. The past does hurt. Rafiki, does anyone know that line? That's my favorite movie in the whole world baboon with the he's with the stick that's that's gospel almost I mean that's getting close <laughs> Wes is giving me dirty looks no <laughs> but we need to move on with a different mindset the thing holding you back from moving on could be yourself clinging to what could have been and we need to reroute with the same goal that's important so often we find some roadblock in the way and we reroute without a single goal we had. We reroute without following after what we were supposed to follow after. So often you see someone come to one of these conclusions. You see someone come to a, a situation like Job and instead of going, keep going towards God, they completely veer off. Philippians three thirteen and 14 says this. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the high prize of the calling of God in Christ Jesus. When life falls apart, forget those things that happen and move to Christ reroute. Own your failures. Leave them with God. Don't hold on to your mistakes or the tragedies of your past. Instead, use them to get better. Don't focus on the shortcomings. Make them work to improve your situation. Reroute with a different mindset, but with the same goal. Number two, remember. Remember. When life falls apart, it's easy easy to forget how good God actually is to us. We can forget his promises and gifts. And we can get tunnel vision and only see the bad things that are happening. Satan thrives on keeping us blindfolded like that. He only wants us to see the terror, the fear, the worry, the doubt. But God is greater than all of that and he has done so much for us. Satan's primary tool is doubt. It's not hatred. It's not even lying. It's doubt. If he can get you to doubt, he can get you to do anything. But remember what God has done for you. Psalm 103, verse 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, So far, as he has, so far, hath he removed our transgressions from us. That's what God's done for us. God has shown us mercy. God has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. They'll never touch, they'll never come back. He'll never bring them back up. I'm grateful for that. He's not the petty type of God that brings up, hey, remember when you did this? Hey, remember when you did this to me? Hey, remember when you did that? Remember when you thought that God's not that type of person? His mercy endureth to all generations, the Bible says. And remember what he's done for you, but remember where you stand with him. Romans 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, If you've been saved, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. There is no judgment, punishment, penalty. Christ paid it all. Remember where you stand. We talked about a little bit in Hebrews today. We are adopted into his family. We are made, the Bible says, joint heirs. He looks at us as a child. He doesn't look at us like a slave or a servant. He looks at us as a member of his family. And just as you as a parent would never forsake a child, he'll never forsake us. Remember what he's done for you. Remember where you stand. Remember that no matter what happens in our world or in your life, God is faithful And God is consistent. So reroute, remember, number three, react. Often we stop with those two. We get this idea where it's like, okay, I I need to make a course correction. You can remember what God did for us. But it's that react that we often struggle with. When you're attacked this week, or your faith is challenged, how do you plan on reacting? I think of when I. How many of you struggle with traffic? Let's just be really, really honest with one another. How many of you like? How many of you like to go into like Denver I, tw- I twenty five traffic? How many of you guys just adore that type of stuff? Raise your hand. We're gonna throw hymnals at you. Well, Ron does. <laughs> no one likes traffic. And I, I. Mom, <laughs> mom laughs at us. All of her kids learned really how to drive on their own in L.A. traffic. We were driving for two years here in Colorado in the little country roads of Fort Morgan, and it was great and dandy. Then we all spent a, over a year in L.A., and we all had our cars out there, which probably was not very smart. And I remember going into, and I drove my little PT Cruiser. Do you remember that? A white PT Cruiser? That thing could cruise in and out of traffic but I remember you'd get in there and you'd get into a traffic jam and someone would start yelling at you and your initial reaction is to get defensive or offensive and react in a bad way. The same goes for our life. When life falls apart, we often either do two things. We clam up or we lash out. One of those two things usually happens. When life falls apart, you're either going to clam up and say, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to shut down. Or you lash out and you become angry. But God gives us several ways how to react. And the first one is in the manner of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 30 and 32, 30 through 32 says this, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed Under the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, (coughs) even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Look at that last part. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Throw those emotions to the side. Don't even let those emotions of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, that action of evil speaking. Don't let them come into your life. Guard against those things. Instead, be kind, be empathetic. Be forgiving because that's what Christ is to you. Do you realize that everything that we are given, we do not deserve? We don't deserve this building. We don't deserve the fellowship that we enjoy here. And Sunday is my favorite day of the week. Coming together and fellowship, we don't deserve that. But Christ loves us enough to give us that. So react in the manner of the Holy Spirit, (coughs) but react with the goal of reconciliation. Reconciliation is an interesting word, and I've defined it through a little bit of study. And I've defined it this way. I actually have it up on the screen. Reconciliation is to move from hostility to harmony through the power of Christ. (coughs) to move from hostility to harmony through the power of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 through 19 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself (coughs) by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I'm going to take you up on that, Richard. (coughs) Richard. And fine all day until tonight. (coughs) Okay. God has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God has committed to us the ministry of moving from hostility to harmony through the power of Christ. Do you realize this? Jesus Christ gives us enough instructions in the Bible that we can solve any problem ever given. So react in the manner of the Holy Spirit with the goal of reconciliation. And number four, and this will be short and we'll close with this. You have to reroute, remember, react, and rely. Give it to God and keep going. Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 29 through 30 says this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Do you recognize that that's a promise of God? That's not a suggestion. That's not, hey, this could happen. That is God saying, Hey, you come to me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ladies and gentlemen, when when life falls apart, rely. If you don't listen to anything else tonight, this is the most important thing. Nothing you say, do, or think will ever match the power that there is in clinging to God. God is there for us. God wants our burdens. God wants to share our load. God wants to keep us going. Give it to God and keep going. So when life falls apart, reroute. With a different mindset. Hey, it's not going to be the same. But I'm going to forget those things that happened. But with the same goal. Press toward that high calling of Jesus Christ. Remember what he's done for you and where you stand. React with the Holy Spirit's power and with the goal of that reconciliation. And rely completely on God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. God, we love you. We thank you for everything you've given to us. I don't know what's going on in people's lives today. Lord, I just know that our world is chaotic and we're not seeing much peace. But God, we know that through you, we can have peace. I pray if someone in here is struggling with something like this, that they can cling to these promises in your word. Not my words, Lord, but the words in your Bible that you've given Lord, I pray that we can help people with this every day. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. We are going to conclude here in a second.